Let me encourage you to turn to John 14. Today is a, a Ascension Sunday. It is one of those doctrines that seems to, in many people's minds, be like a secondary doctrine. You have uh, what was done on the cross, you have the resurrection, you have the birth and incarnation. And then somewhere in there, in people's minds, is the ascension. But really, what difference does it make? And what are we really talking about when we talk about uh, the ascension? Well, after the resurrection, Christ walked the earth for some 40 days, and he taught. He appeared to many different uh, groups and individuals, and he taught them. And then he stood before many of them, as even this morning we have sung about. And I will just read to you from Acts chapter 1 what took place. As he stood before them, he reminded them uh, in different words of the Great Commission. He said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then it says... And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And it says, as they were gazing up toward the cloud, as you can imagine, then two men stood by them in white robes and said, why are you looking up there? The way he was just taken up, he's going to come back someday. So, the church of Jesus Christ has celebrated the ascension of Jesus, usually 40 days uh, or the Sunday closest to 40 days after Easter. So, Thursday would have actually been Ascension Day. Now, what difference does it make? It's obvious this morning that we are headed to the Lord's table. It's Ascension Sunday. And I want to throw one more thing in there to help us understand the importance of the Ascension, and and that is I want us to consider our verse of the year and how what took place in the Ascension makes our verse of the year among many other verses, make sense and makes them possible. So let me read to you some of Jesus' teaching about what was going to take place in John 14. He begins this way, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And then in chapter 16, verse 5, he says this, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now 
I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me where you're going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then our verse of the year. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God surpasses all understanding. will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, will you help us in these moments as we approach your table to hear from you, to be prepared by you, to be enabled by you, to worship in spirit and in truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I hope you have uh, memorized the verse of the year. We gave you a card in January, and there are still some at the information desk. If you are newer uh, here in the church, you're encouraged to memorize it, to focus upon uh, those two verses. But what difference does it make to what, what is said in those verses? What difference does it make that Jesus ascended to heaven. I want to break it down phrase by phrase, and uh, I think you'll see that absolutely it is because of the ascension that these verses apply all the more to us, and we are empowered by them all the more. We are given all the more incentive to do what those verses say and to receive what they promise because of his ascension. First of all, because of the ascension, we should not be anxious. Our verse of the year, do not be anxious about anything. Now, why should the fact that Jesus ascended to heaven affect our anxiety and our worry? What difference does that make in in my life Uh, to keep me from worrying as much? Well, it's because of where he is in Ephesians chapter 1. And if you look at Ephesians 1, the original language, you see most of that chapter is all one sentence. And even in the English as it's translated, it's the same kind of thing. It's a run-on sentence. So I'm going to jump into that sentence and the latter part of it uh, with Ephesians 1.19, says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, so it's emphasizing his power according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, all right, that's the resurrection, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly 
places. Where is he? He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, we've got four children. We named all of our children for, uh, Bible names. And we chose those names not just because we liked the way they sounded, but because of uh, the meaning as well. Our oldest is Nathan, means a gift. And then Rachel, which means gentleness. Our youngest, Abigail, father's joy or father's delight. Then our, th- our third, our uh, other son, is named Benjamin. That means son of my right hand. Notice where Jesus is seated. At the right hand of the Father. Son of my right hand. And it denotes strength. Now, Jesus is seated in that place of authority. Of power. Remember the mother that said, what, what about my boys? Uh, can, can one of them be seated at, on, on your right when you come into your kingdom? Because they understood that that was uh, the place of honor. It was a place of authority, a place of power. And that's where Jesus is. In Philippians 2, it says, pertaining to the position Jesus has been given, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Highly exalted, being at the right hand of the Father. Now, think back to, you you go to the Old Testament and you see that the emphasis is that uh, the Messiah is going to come as a king. And so when Jesus came, they were expecting a a great and a conquering king, one that would take over uh, the Roman Empire and, uh, uh, you know, save them in that very temporal way. Instead, we see Jesus, and even toward the end of his life, At his triumphal entry, how does he display himself as a king? Well, rather than come as a conquering one, although he was conquering, he comes in on a donkey, on a colt, in a gentle way. Why? Although he was coming in as a king and he was given some glory for that at that triumphal entry... He was actually being taken to the cross. And his ultimate humiliation. But then what happened? He walked out of the tomb. He was raised from the dead by the Father. He walked this earth and then he was taken to heaven in front of those witnesses. And he was then placed in the place of a king in the place of authority at the right hand of the Father. Because of that, we don't need to be anxious. Now, there are many in our day that will say when it comes to God, when it comes to uh, Jesus, and something bad in this world happens, we can't blame God for that. He doesn't have anything to to do with that. Don't blame God, you know, for these natural disasters or don't don't blame God if there's something difficult that someone is going through. 
And they're in that way, some are trying to get God off the hook and say, no, he's absolutely loving. And so we, you know, nothing like that would ever come from him. Here's the problem. If you want to hold to that, then you have got every reason to be anxious. And you have no reason not to be anxious. If there is a single molecule in this universe that is outside of his good providential control, then we are all in trouble. Because you have no incentive to go to him. You don't know if he can help. In fact, if it's a difficult thing when you're going to need him the most, you are saying he can't help. That's outside of of his uh, purview. And yet, that's not what the Bible presents. It it presents him as being uh, the good God who is completely sovereign. And because of that, because of his place of authority at the right hand of the Father, we don't need to be anxious. Secondly, because of the ascension, we should go to prayer in everything. Our verse of the year, again. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So what's our encouragement to pray? Well, here's one of our problems when it comes to praying. Too often we have a concern, well, what if I pray and I'm praying something that isn't God's will? That's a problem. And so some people can get timid in terms of their praying and, and, and not want to do it because they want to pray for God's will. They want God's will to be done. What if I ask for God for something that isn't his will? Let's do some theology here for a moment. What happens when we pray? Well, the scripture says, and this is a big thing that we often forget, that Jesus is interceding for us. He's interceding. In uh, Hebrews 7, verse 25, it says, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. We'll talk about what that means in a minute. But keep that phrase in mind. He is making intercession. Romans 8, verse 34, Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So what's going on? Well, we see a a picture of Jesus uh, sitting at the right hand of the Father, but not just sitting there with his arms crossed, waiting for the time of his second coming. It says that He is there and interceding means he's talking to the Father about us. So what's that mean with our prayer? Well, when he's talking to the Father, he always talks according to the will of the Father. Recently, I've been praying for something that, quite frankly, I can't tell you whether it's God's will or not. You know, I can look in the scripture and it doesn't tell me one way or the other whether what I'm praying is God's will. And so you know what I've been doing? 
I've been praying the way that I think would be best. But here's my big comfort, and here's my incentive to keep praying. I know that when I pray, and I I pray in Jesus' name, not just saying that little phrase, but doing it, saying, you know, Father, I want your will. And because I'm related to Jesus, because he's my Savior, I pray in his name. And so what happens is I pray, and then Jesus takes my prayer, and if it is not according to the Father's will, he corrects it before it gets to the Father. So that when the Father hears it, he will answer it according to his will. And my comfort is, I know that that is what will be best. And so I can pray and pray boldly. It's a third aspect. Because of the ascension, we should be thankful. Philippians 4, 6, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, what is it about the ascension that should make us uh, thankful or give thanks? Well, because he's on our side. Uh, In 1 John 2, verse 1, it says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Keep that phrase in mind. An advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. That word advocate is uh, it, it, it's a word that means defense attorney, basically. Now, what's he defending us for? Why is he our advocate? Well, because of what that passage says, when we sin. You know, even if we are trusting in Christ alone for our eternal life, we still live in a fallen world and we will sin. As long as we are in this world, we deal with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so, what then when we sin? Well, it's despicable. It's cosmic treason against the creator of the universe. And so, we don't deserve a defense attorney. But Jesus says, that's exactly what I am for you. I will defend you before the Father because of what I've done. That is cause for thanksgiving. That should drive us to praise and thanks, understanding that it is by His grace, undeserved favor, that He is our advocate. And then there is a fourth aspect. Because of the ascension, we may experience peace. Again, Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why? Why should we have peace because Jesus has ascended? Well, it's because of what he is doing right now. I want to read to you from Acts chapter 7. And let me tell you what was going on there. You have uh, Stephen, and he has preached this uh, message before the religious people of that day. And they didn't like it one bit because it was an indictment upon them. And so they uh, responded in a very negative way to Stephen's preaching. Here's what it says in Acts 7, 
beginning with verse 54. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. They ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, uh, stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. How could you call such a violent death falling asleep? How could someone going through this terrible experience say, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit and don't hold this against them? What empowered him for that? Well, it was in this passage. This is what it says. The heavens opened up. And he got a glimpse. And because he got a glimpse of what's going on up there, we, we get a glimpse of it. Here's what it says. Full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So we have seen this picture of Jesus seated in that place of authority, interceding for us, but in this traumatic moment, in the moment when Stephen needed the presence of Christ more than he had ever needed it in his life, he got a glimpse of what Jesus was doing on his behalf, and Jesus stood up. And because of that, he had peace. Because of that, he was empowered. And I'm convinced that in those traumatic moments in our lives, if heaven were to open up and we were to see it, we would see Jesus standing for us. In that is peace. There's another reason why we experience peace because of the ascension. And that is because he is not just in heaven, he's here. I read to you from John 16 and John 14, and basically Jesus said, look, I'm going to go away, but it's better for you. And here's why. Because when I go away, I'm going to send my spirit. And if I don't go away, then I can't send my spirit. So it's going to be to your advantage. If Jesus were here, he would just be in one place and we'd try to get as close to him as we could and wouldn't be very close. But instead, he had a better plan, a plan that was forged in the councils of eternity with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And that is that uh, when his work was done, he would ascend into heaven and he would send the Spirit to dwell inside each one of us so that we, 
could have the comforter and the peace of the comforter within us. And so we come toward the table. This table that speaks to us of what Jesus has done. This table that shows the shalom, the peace of the Father. The table that says because of uh, what Jesus did in giving His body and His blood for us, if you are in relationship with Him, that whatever burdens you brought through those doors today, whatever burdens you carry on your back, when you are at this table in relationship with Christ, you have peace with God. And that's what really matters. You can know that to be true. And so listen to the words of institution as they are given to us by the Apostle Paul the one who had the coats laid at his feet at Stephen's martyrdom, who later came to know Jesus. He says this, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Do you you hear what it's saying? It's saying, look, this table is open to my children, to those who are trusting in me alone, not to those who are trusting in their own works. Because that's why I gave my body and blood. And if somewhere in your mind you don't think my body and blood are enough, then this table is not for you. But if you recognize that I'm not worthy and yet in Jesus Christ I am worthy because he is worthy. And so my invitation is through the advocate the one who stands for me before the Father. You're invited. If you have children that have not yet made their profession of faith publicly and united with the visible body of Christ, I'd encourage you to withhold it from them. Teach them about it. Let them look forward to that day. And if you find yourself not having uh, made your own profession of faith. Look, don't, don't come to the table for me or for your family or for people around you. 
Because God takes mockery of him and his table seriously. That's what it says. And he gives this gracious warning. He said, do not mock it. And yet we're glad you're here. We want you to watch. And we trust that before the next time we take the Lord's Supper, you will be able to say, yes, I'm a child of the living God, trusting in Christ alone for my eternal life. Let's pray together.